Hello, hello, Carney. This is Peter Holland along with Buck Mahoney, and you're listening to the Hub Sport Podcast. Welcome, welcome. Buck, how's it going, man? Not too bad. Looking forward to a busy week, and this is Hub Week for uh, the fall sports as we get to the halfway point. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's going to be one heck of a week for all of us. We're going to keep it a little short and sweet today because um, we got a special treat for all of our listeners today. We got the interview full exclusive with the Squire families. I know you're excited for that, Buck. Got to talk to both Ricky Squires, the UMK volleyball coach, and Maddie and Anna as well. Got to know them a little bit. We talk about what it was like being number one. I mean, they're not number one anymore after last weekend against Washburn, but they bounced back against Hastings on Monday. We talk about um, being one of the top volleyball programs and MIAA and um, kind of pick their brains a little bit. Y'all are in for a treat. But anyways, before we get into that, we do got to go with, with a little bit of some rundown of what's going on during the week. We're going to start with Carney. Buck, it's Bellevue West week. I think it's been Bellevue West the last two weeks. <laughs> I think that might explain a little bit of what both of those teams did on Friday. They were, did not bring their A games, either one of them. <laughs> That's, that was all I was about to tell you. This is probably the biggest twist out of all of it. Bellevue West is coming off a crucial. Both teams are coming off a crucial loss. Bellevue West lost to a really good Miller South team on a Thursday night, and then you got Carney just been blown flat in their faces against Millard West. Uh, they lost to Millard West forty-two to twenty-eight, and that was kind of something that they expected. Nate Nate Peterson two hundred seventy-eight yards by himself. That's kind of unexpected after how they performed against North Platte to. Last week against Miller West. Yeah, turn turn around from a, a big back to a little back. And, yeah, turn around in fortunes. The, the big back with all the publicity, uh, they contained him pretty well, and, and they lost track of uh, the next guy. <laughs> that was pretty unexpected. Uh, now, granted, Miller West, they, they got their pretty good. I guess pretty good as well. I mean, they've been challenged, and they got solid athletes as well compared to um, the last couple of games, the last couple of wins for Carney. But still, it's just it's one of those wins that you got to have because Bellevue West, granted, they can get over that Middle South because Middle South is really good. I think we can all agree that we might see those two, if not one of them, in the state finals. Miller South is just incredible. They're undefeated in alert. They're likely to take that number one spot. And yeah, they took number they, one. They got the number one spot as well. But as far as, um, I want to ask you this, Buck. Bellevue West coming off their loss and Carney coming off their loss. What would you say, which, with those two going to go against each other this coming Friday, which one of, which one of the two you say have more to lose than the game after Friday night. Bellevue West has got a lot to lose. Uh, they come up short against Kearney. You know, that really puts a dent in their invincibility and what you would think of them there, you know, the impression that you have of them. Kearney needs the win because you look at their schedule. It's brutal. They, yeah, they can't, they can't afford to lose them. They'll get extra points because the teams are playing are good, but they need to get wins to enhance their playoff position. 
they definitely cannot afford after Bellevue West. They're back on the road against Columbus. And then Lincoln High, Elkhorn South, Omaha Northwest. Those are the final four games. Like I said, they cannot afford it. And this is one of those ones that they got to have. And just when you thought that, they make a step forward. I thought that if they would have beat Millard West, they would have been ahead of time or at least ahead of schedule with their record. Even if they lose to Bellevue West um, this week, they still have somewhat of a momentum depending on how the game hands out to them. And you would have been comfortable with them going against some um, Columbus team or the Elkhorn South teams or Omaha Northwest in the end of, in their final game. But now we don't know what we're going to expect with either or. I'm going to play a little bit of a devil's advocate here as far as Bellevue West side. You're talking about Bellevue West, who's not only coming from a loss, but now they, of course, they marked their calendars after um, what's been ten months since that the biggest upset since uh, the playoff since loss, the playoff yeah. loss in the state quarterfinals. But now adding that with the loss to Miller South, you're talking about a team that's coming up here with more fuel in, in their fire more than ever, and they're gonna come out with a vengeance. And the last thing you want to do is lose to a current team that beat you last season. And I don't think Bellevue West is the type of team going to lose back-to-back losses. What do you say? Getting back to your question before this, if Bellevue West loses this game, think of their mental state, what they think of themselves, their confidence, having lost, you know, twice in a row. It's going to hurt them bad if they lose again. It's just kind of see where their minds Yeah, their minds mindset's going to be a mess, to be honest with you. Exactly. Bellevue West really needs to regroup and, and if you're looking at it from a Bellevue West standpoint. I just, just hate to see a, a team like that that's stacked with D1 athletes go to waste. Like L.J. Richardson, he's a stud. He's already at um, almost at 700 yards, 770 all-purpose yards. Um, he got offers from Wyoming. They got a young wide receiver named Div. Devon Hall, who's already getting offers as a sophomore. And then you got the two tight ends, Michael Wright Ducker, he's going to Auburn. Caden Helms going to Oklahoma. They got Lyman's that's going to Air Force Academy. They are just loaded in every aspect that you thought that they're going to be, like you said, invincible. We even thought that even last year's team was probably better than that. And then look what happened. And it's, what does this mean about, what would you say how much of a big deal, not just for those two, but just for high school ball in general? If if Bellevue West is going to live up to hype they've had, which they can still they, do going forward, yeah, they can they still can they, bounce back. From they them. have to win this game. This has to be the start. And then just for a Carney side, I mean, how do you bounce back after a, a tough loss like that? We thought that you got all this confidence and the momentum and the defense, and after against Miller West, I just don't know how to get a good read on them. You can say, well, it gets back to. We're the poor little guy out here in the West. Nobody has any respect for it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've, you've got that chip on your shoulder, and you've got to carry it, hold it up. Well, it's going to be an interesting game. Buck, do you have a prediction? No. Don't, don't even say it. <laughs> don't even answer that. <laughs> no, no predictions. All right, all right. But uh, with Carney High, um, best of luck Friday night. The game will be at Foster Field at 7 p.m. I will see y'all there. Carney Catholic, on the other hand, has been impressive each week. Uh, they're just coming off a loss against Ogallala. Am I saying it right this time, Bob? You got it. Bam. Good. Anyways, Carney Catholic beat Ogallala 24-6. to And I must say, Buck, each week this team just continues to improve week after week. But this time, I think what really stood out to me is their defense. 
The defense has just been dominating. The line scrimmage, starting with the defensive front, just blowing up the offensive line, um, going through gaps, just everything about it, and just being disrupted against a whole lot of stuff the game. It could have been a shutout, obviously, but that final six points was in the fourth quarter when Carney Catholic put in their second strings in. And on the offensive side, they just gonna keep pounding the rock, pounding the football, led by um Riley Greaser, who I think is probably you can say he's the unsung hero of this. He's just been the workhorse. He rushed for what, uh, 136 yards. Uh, now he's at 576 yards this season. He's on. He's in good pace for a thousand yard season. Brett Mahoney continues to improve as a quarterback. He was 12 for 18, 110 yards. In the first half, he was almost perfect. He almost completed all six passes, but we only missed one drop, one drop pass. That could have been a touchdown, by the way. I got a nickname from him, Buck. Money Mahoney. That's my nickname for him. Because every time he makes a play, he's right on the money. And I'm just saying that out loud for everyone. Money Mahoney. Every time he scores a touchdown, it's on the money. Can't see me, but I'm flashing the money signs here. So, <laughs> but... Now coming up, they got Menden, homecoming week. And Menden is coming out there, oppressive win against Hershey, 6-2-7. And you got to like what you're seeing with this Carney Catholic team going into um, the homecoming week against Menden. What do you say, bud? And with uh, Pleasanton and Wilcox both losing last Friday night, <laughs> we are now down to one undefeated team in our region, and that's Carney Catholic. And they're where we expected them to be at this point. And they'll go on. They've got a couple challenges coming up. Uh, sure. Their biggest challenge this week is to you know, keep that distraction of homecoming away from what they're doing. And then they'll find out that Minden's, you know, Jim Hatch is doing a good job down there. He's slowly getting things turned around again. I like what he's doing down there. They've got a good quarterback, good running back, Freeze and Parson. He's reached out. The state track runner that won gold last season. He can run it. They'll offer some challenges for Carney Catholic. Okay. And then the game, it's at home, homecoming week, and keep his other go 5 0. And does not, and also not forget, it was not too long ago that Menden did beat Carney Catholic. It was, what, three years ago? All right. Did you remember that game, Buck? Just the shock that Carney Catholic lost to Menden on that night. <laughs> What even at that time, it's not like Carney Catholic wasn't as good compared to the last couple of seasons. Hiram Carver was only a sophomore at the time, wasn't he? And he hasn't even grown to his man body yet, or the, the D1 athlete like we thought it would be. But, um, yeah, and I, and even Coach Harvey even said it when he brought it up after the game that ever since that loss to Menden, they took that, every time they face him, they take it, they take that game seriously. And I'm sure they're, they're taking this game just as seriously compared to the next game that's coming up after this broken bow on a Thursday night. So they want to get this win out of the way before that. Next week will be a Thursday night game next week. Broken bow lost on Friday too. So we lost to Ord. And lost to Ord. They were state champs. They were state champs. Their kicker, their kicker, Kellen Meyer. Yeah. He's, he's been playing up in Nebraska. Oh, that was a bit of a surprise. That broken bow lost again. Don't. Don't look too far ahead and take care of the take care game of in front of you. Take care of Minden first. That game is set for a 7 o'clock kickoff. Moving on. Buck, how about them Lopers, man? <laughs> how about those Lopers? 
they just continue to amaze us of how this how this team is legit and they continue to find ways in tough moments. We even said it last week that Washburn is that team that's always going to disrupt what they got going on. There's all that Washburn's that that team that's always gonna bother you after coming off a big win against Pitt State. And we saw it. And granted, Washburn's a pretty good team too. Washburn looked real good, be real honest with you. They can run, they can throw, they can play defense. They can do it all. Except they couldn't find an answer for T J Davis. No. That's the beauty of it. TJ Davis once again box office continue to make plays when it really counts, especially that final drive and that final touchdown. TJ Davis rushed for 258 yards, three touchdowns, a new career high for the quarterback. He also threw 16 of 26 for 166 yards. Gary Swanson caught the game-winning interception. That was a, and he also had two pass breakups as well. This was a, and this was an all-out great performance for UNK, just continuing to find ways to win in close moments and tight ball games. And you just kind of feel comfortable, even when they're trailing behind you. If they're not playing too well, it's just down in that five minutes in the fourth quarter, you believe that this Lopers team is going to continue to find a ways to get the win, even at the ugly moment like what we saw Saturday. UNK hasn't had very many game-winning drive performances, and they got that Saturday. Mm-hmm. And they're, to be honest with you, I can't remember the last the last time that they They've accomplished something like that. They've held on. Mm-hmm. They've turned teams back. And I, I go back to the good quarterbacks they've had. You know, that was one thing we said about Justin Coleman was he never had that signature game-winning drive in the four years that he was there. Spitzelberger had a couple when he was there. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and then, of course, after Spitzelberger, it's been a long time since we've had wins. Sure, <laughs> sure. Lopers, they moved up to number 16 in the top 25. T.J. Davis, again, the MIAA Offensive Player of the Week for the second straight week. There's another thing that I noticed as well about T.J. And shout out to Yunke Athletics. Shout out to Peter Gasvich for for bringing the stat to um, to the public. T.J. TJ Davis, this is what they tweeted. Right now has 1,026 yards of total offense, 10 touchdowns, Averages 7.2 yards per carry, 64% completion percentage, 10-3 and three as a starter. UNK hasn't lost a game in 673 days, if you want to count the last year's COVID year when they went 2-0. Yeah, that's plated. <laughs> but come on now. They haven't lost since then. That's just amazing. And just it's just another reason for the magic of T.J. Davidson. You cannot just say that he should be in the mixture of the Harlan Hill Trophy. He should be the front runner right now. Would you say? Why division, wouldn't Division Two is big, and I haven't looked at. Uh, well, that's how we're old. Somebody threw four hundred eighty yards or four hundred ninety yards last week. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of yards. That is true. That is true. Now, division Two is big. You know, I don't know who all's doing what, but TJ's putting up some seriously big numbers. Yes, he is, and they got Central Missouri coming up Saturday at 1 o'clock. Central Missouri is still winless, aren't they? Still winless. They started the year number 13 in the nation. Yeah, what is going on in Central Missouri? What is going on with those mules? Yeah. 
It's a curious situation. That, uh, now, granted, we're not going to count them out. We're not going to say that it's going to be an easy win or or it, it's, they're just going to run them over. You're playing on their turf. It's on the road. Oops. And then after that, they got four Hayes. That's going to be another tough one. And before I know it, on October 30th, you got Northwest Missouri State, which is ranked number two in the country. So there's, yeah, let's play on one at a time again. <laughs> I'm I'm just looking at what they got going on, all the toughest schedules coming up. We can get away with it. They can. But the thing about it is that there's very little. My point is they have very little wiggle room to say that each week is going to be a challenge for them. And even with a Central Missouri team, they you can honestly say that that could be a. I don't like to say it a, a lot, but a trap game is that probably the word. Even though their Central Missouri is winless, they're probably going to just probably going to surprise us in a way. Oh, well, first of all, you you don't get preseason thirteen in the country if you don't have some players. Right, they've got players. Absolutely, uh, they just haven't put it together yet. So uh, I don't know if it's a trap game because, in all honesty, the strength of the MIAA is the fact that everybody can do it, and every every game's a trap. Uh, it was always explained to me that the strength of the MIAA wasn't the three teams at the top, it was the four teams at the bottom. Mm-hmm. That they could beat you any day. Mm-hmm. The middle teams, you know, you can throw those at the middle block of eight, nine teams. They can move up into the top, move down to the bottom in the wink of an eye. That is true. That is true. UNK will be at Central Missouri. That is scheduled for Saturday at 1 p.m. Much good luck to them. And anything else you'd like to say, Bob, before we get right to the interview? Looking forward to Monday. This will be your first experience with this, the UNK Cross Country Invitational. Tell me more about it. Just give me a little bit more. Eight, what should we expect? Though? Eight races, 250 kids roughly in each race. That's 2,000 runners, 5,000 spectators. It has to be one of the ten biggest cross country meets in the United States. Any players that should we be on the lookout on? Any well, racers? Yeah, everybody, because all the good runners in the state will be here. All of them, all the defending champions in the last year's state meet will have uh, all the new freshmen that are making their mark. It's you know, it's a good preview of the statement. Anyone on the county side that we might want to uh, recognize or we should be on the lookout for? Pretty high freshman, Ariel Berger. That she would be. We'll need to see how she stacks up against all the female runners in the state. Lexington and boys, what they've done in a couple of meets where they've had. Eight in the top ten or eight in the top twelve. We'll see how they do when they come up against you know people from the Panhandle, people from the Northeast, and the Missouri Valley. So yeah, there'll be some fun fun races to watch. And I'll be there to cover it. So looking forward to that, the UNK Invitational. We'll probably report about it, or just I'll just talk about the experience on our next episode. So, looking forward to that. Enough of us chatting. Now we're gonna give you the interview of Rick Squires, Anna, and Maddie Squires.
Hope you all enjoy. Maddie, Anna, Rick, um, thanks for um, taking the time to meet with me. I really do appreciate your time. First of all, I just wanted to ask you guys, um, congratulations on being ranked number one in the country. This is definitely a big deal for you guys. What are your thoughts on being best volleyball in the country? <laughs> um, I just try not to think about that, honestly. But I think being ranked number one can kind of put a target on our back sometimes, but it's also really cool also. Yeah, um, we try not focus on it too much. Like, it's really exciting, but um, the rankings don't really matter. So, But like Anna said, it, it definitely does put a target on our back. It should be fun. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that you know, I think certainly these two are accustomed to being in the rankings somewhere. We played all of 2019, it seems like, with the number two spot, and uh, the team ahead of us never lost. So it's kind of weird that we come out of the shoot, and it seems like a lot of teams have lost. And so just kind of by nature, the fact of where we started. We end up here in, in the one spot, so print it off, make some copies, for recruiting, move on, because we've got other things to worry about right now. So you got guys being number one, but you got also other teams in that same conference not too far off. You got um, Washburn, number three, Central Missouri, Northwest Missouri in the top five, 25. What is something about that MIAA conference and what makes it so one of the most competitive conferences out there? And it's not just the four that are in the rankings. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not surprised by that. All four of those programs that you mentioned are no stranger to the ABCA poll, but there's a handful of other teams that are really good that uh, get on a run and find themselves you know, in the picture somewhere. Central Oklahoma's been really good. Missouri Western looks to be off to a great start. Pitt State had us on the ropes in 2019 at home uh, in the last match of the year, and so there's just not a bad team in our conference, and I think that's what makes volleyball special is uh, every match, every place, every night. You mentioned about UNK being special. Over the years, they have the level of success and we played part of it and all the coaches in the past. Going into your 22nd, what is something uh, different about this this UNK team? Well, uh, if I had to come up with something at this stage of the game, some of the returning players are doing the things we thought they would, but probably gotten a little more out of some of the newcomers, especially offensively, uh, than maybe we had even hoped for. So I feel like we can score. We have more players who can score this year maybe than even 2019 made our run. So it's kind of nice to be able to go into any match and feel like you know, every position can score and there's probably two or three players on the bench you can bring in and might be able to score too. Being your third head coach in school history, what is it like having to be that coach to continue to build a wing program at UNK Volleyball? Yeah, I mean, obviously, Rosella started the whole thing with a great foundation, had a vision for the program, and I got to know Rosella really well over you know, the last several years. And I also got to know Patty pretty well. I'm kind of in a unique position that I followed Patty Satorius twice. Uh, she was at Hastings before I went to Hastings, and then she was here before I came. So I tell people all the time that if you want to get off to a good start, just follow Patty Satorius because she usually leads the program in a pretty good spot. So that, that's uh, been a blessing for me to come into a well-established program with high expectations, a good recruiting base, high-level student-athletes. I guess we can all agree here that Nebraska and volleyball, they intertwine, I'm sure, 
volleyball is the number one sport here in the state. Of just what is something about volleyball in Nebraska that just bring those bring those two together? Me and Anna went to Carney Catholic, and we were pretty successful there. When I was there, we won four straight state championships. And then, yeah, I guess just Nebraska as a whole. Obviously, Nebraska, UNO, Creighton, um, and then Bellevue, Midland, all of – I mean, just all of Nebraska is kind of just known for their volleyball. So, yeah, like you said. Yeah, I'd say it starts in high school. Just there's a lot of competition at all of the levels. So, yeah. I think there's maybe an advantage. You know, I, every now and then I'll think about uh, some of the players and the places that – from before they got here. I think they have big game experience, at least in volleyball. I mean, this isn't the first time you get to play in front of a big crowd. I mean, you guys played in front of big crowds in high school. Uh, a lot of your teammates did too, just because Nebraska turns out for the sport of volleyball. So, I mean, you might have a big game with Grand Island Central Catholic or Minden, or, uh, and, and it's not just volleyball either. I mean, I can remember standing in line for some big ones in other sports too, and I, I do. I think it uh, it kind of seasons you to what you might see in college for a big game. Maddie, you originally was at Bellevue University, and you were doing well over there. Tell me about that experience over there, and why you decided to come back home and play play with your dad. I guess ever since I was young, playing for UNK was kind of my dream, but. Um, when the recruiting process started, it wasn't really ideal at the moment to come here. I wanted to go somewhere where I could play right away. And so I chose Bellevue and it was great. I loved it there. Um, I loved the coaches and I feel like I got a lot better as a player and a setter there. And then the opportunity came for me to come back here and that was just something I couldn't pass up. So coach, just tell me from your perspective as a, not only that from a coach's standpoint, but as a father, that you have to balance it to not only does your coaching other people's children, but coaching yours as well. Tell me the having to balance that as being a full-time head coach at a Division two level and being a father as well. Yeah, I mean, I think you kind of err toward the coach side, and thankfully, um, you know, their mom gets to be a part of the whole parent process. and. <laughs> They get, you know, the full-time parent support, probably more from mom than they do from dad right now. But every now and then I will try to remind myself that, um, you know, it's kind of unique to be in this situation and I should appreciate the opportunity. And I've learned a lot about how to deal with it. I I don't think I handled it extremely well at the beginning and uh, probably things have evolved to a point where I think everybody's a lot more comfortable and uh, especially knowing that it's kind of the last time around, I, I think you definitely stop and try to appreciate it a little bit more. Sure. Thank you guys for um, coming over, taking the time of your schedule to meet with me. It really means a lot, and I hope the uh, hope Lober Nation get a kick out of it as well as much as I have. Yep. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you all for listening to the Hub Sports Podcast. We'll see you all in the next episode.